leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. It is CISO Thursdays. Woo -woo. Woo. Favorite, <laughs> the favorite day. Chris goes, woo -woo. mute. <laughs> We're in all black. We got our memo. We got the memo going today, even though mine has some little like sparkle things going on. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity uh, super recruiter, helping leaders hire great talent. Mr. James Azar. Good morning or afternoon or wherever you may be in the world. I'm James Azar, host of the CISO Talk podcast and a CISO. Woohoo. Chris Fulham. Uh, cybersecurity consultant and cybersecurity career coach. And Renee, that shirt is sparkly, just like your personality. Aww. <laughs> Compliments today. Compliments. So we have all kinds of good stuff to, to kick off with today. We are so excited for a variety of various reasons, but we're going to start off with Chris, who will talk about, oh no, before we do that, Please subscribe. Please subscribe. I put a link to YouTube in the, the LinkedIn um, chat. So every single week we're going to be, we, we have to grow our subscribers on YouTube. So excited to be here, but please subscribe to us on our YouTube channel and all the other channels we have. So Chris is going to jump in and talk about our 221 and 2021 campaign. Okay. So, so far we have 341 people registered, 105 resumes reviewed. So thank you for your patience as our resume reviewers reviewed our resume. We've captured 10 hires, but Mr. James Azar has been slacking on updating some of his hires. So the number is really higher, but I'm going to report what the numbers tell me. And that's what they tell me until he catches up. And I'll give him slack for that until then. Uh, right under this, this we, do, we do have a bunch of people who've gotten jobs thanks to the initiative <laughs> um that chris decided to put on steroids we had a fun little you know january initiative. it was comfortable it was complacent chris, chris has ideas i do i do um de definitely still still pushing still continuing it um i'll Keep uh, reminding the resume reviewers to review whenever they can. I jump in whenever I can as well to um, review the resumes. And I, I still have people that I'll, that reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. And um, when I can, I'll bump them in and, and do what I can. But uh, we're still doing it. We're, we're still keeping track. So um, keep submitting. And we, so we know we've gotten a ton of resumes in, a ton of review. Do you know how many, how many reviewers we have right now? We have know. about 30 reviewers. Yeah. So the the awesome part about this is that it's such a community effort. You know, everyone is just donating their time to come in and review resumes free um, and just help folks break into the industry. Um, so we're super excited about that. Um, so I want to um, thank all the volunteers and also add that we we would love to have more volunteers if possible so we are there's so much growth here with like like uh, James said 221 and 2021 it started out with what 10 <laughs> and then and then Chris put us on steroids uh, to try to get so many people hired and there's a bunch of different things that we can do behind the scenes um, or that need to be done behind the scenes 
things like updating the tracker. I mean, there's so much work to be done to, to, to help to continue to get people um, jobs. So if anyone is interested, reach out to us. We are totally, um, you know, would love to have some volunteers kind of help us manage the process. So that is cool. And now we will jump into our big announcement. It's big announcement time. <laughs> big announcement time. We need like, you know, on those right. <laughs> I can't wait to get my Roadcaster Pro because I'll have like the little sound like big sound announcement time. Thousand. You know, we need a production going on here. That's what I feel like. We're you know, about to get there. We're about to have a production. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so I want to make everybody aware that the Breaking Into Cybersecurity podcast and the Cyber Hub podcast is coming together. So we are officially getting married. We were married <laughs> earlier this week. <laughs> we're now consummating our marriage live on air. <laughs> or at least um, publicly sharing it with everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. We are consummating the marriage like this. I feel like we need Naomi here for this because I'm like one woman. y'all. I mean, this is a lot going on. So we are. <laughs> I'm not going there. Chris is like, I'm keeping my marriage. So mm -hmm. we're excited about this. As, as you all know. We have been doing CISO Thursdays. We have the Breaking Into Cybersecurity podcast with all of our series. You know, James has the Cyber Hub podcast with all of his various series. So this has been so much fun. Um, and we've been having such a ball for the last few months that we decided to merge and come together and come under the Cyber Hub podcast family of podcasts. So... With that, you know, nothing is going to change really except for our production value. So that's going to get higher. Um, we are going to have um, increasing. You're going to see the production. Like I said, the production is all going to be cool. Um, what else can we talk about, James, that's going to change and get we're better? Still gonna, we're still going to have the same mission, vision, and values yeah. when it comes to delivering content. Um, we're still going to have useful information, amazing guests on and uh, sharing the latest and greatest. Yeah, only now we can walk you through your entire cybersecurity journey from breaking into it all the way to when you become a CISO and well beyond, and right? Well beyond. And well beyond, but yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of, it's it's a blast for, um, for, for us specifically, but I'm more excited for, a lot for our listeners because I'm just, it's going to be such an awesome, um, um, like not change, but upgrade right? That's the word yeah. upgrade, right? Okay. We're going to be upgrading. My shows are going to be getting upgrades. Thanks to Chris and Renee. And um, I can't wait to, you know, as we start over the next few weeks of really putting all of these things together, you guys are going to absolutely love it. So it's going to be a blast. It's going to be fun. Mafu says, well, if it isn't my favorite LinkedIn podcasters. He yes, did put a you in favorite. <laughs> Mafus, we're going to get you every single week. <laughs> He's already asking what controversial stuff you're going to bring up today. Exactly. He also put you in controversial, I believe. No, he did not. No, he did not. Sorry. So just... Leslie says hi. But yes, Mafus wants to know what controversial topic we're jumping into. Or no, not even a controversial topic. What controversial, what controversial thing am I going to say? James today? is going to say. I don't know. I haven't said anything controversial in a few weeks now, I think. No, we have to get to the 45 minute mark and then it, then one of us something happens and it comes out. It does. It does. You want you want to talk about liberal art degrees? Yeah. Well, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Yes, because aren't you signing up for the Western Governor's Business Bachelor's of Arts Science? Degree? Oh, the science. science one? Oh, okay. Science. Science. Okay. Science. There's scientific scientific <laughs> things in the science of a bachelor's of science. Okay. Congratulations oh on signing up for that. Yes. I'm very excited about that. In fact, I will be vlogging it through. Yes. As we go. Me too. Me too. We'll be vlogging this through as we go along. And Renee's getting her master's, right? You're working on your master's. Yes, Congratulations. Sir. Now both of you could catch up to me. <laughs> See, you see this. You see, see what I get. I, mean, I, I don't know if that's really a competition, man. 
<laughs> there is no. Comment. I know. I know a lot of people with a lot of degrees that you know, an ant is a lot smarter than than they are. <laughs> Pal, hey Samar, how are you? John Delacruz De says when James this is continuing the nightmares continuing. He should be in a paisley shirt. We have to kick it off with that. That's a, that's another topic that we're bringing up: the paisley shirt topic or the flowery shirt topic. Well, let's um, bring that up. Yeah. So, so, so I'll 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 uh, I'll I'll break it down. I did the Tech Town Square last night um, with with my co-host Eddie, and Eddie wears these awesome, like, unbelievably amazing, amusing paisley shirts. And for those that are watching the any show that I do ever. I'm pretty much always in black. So all my entire wardrobe is black t-shirts. Like it's it's really funny, but if I ever took a picture of my closet, it'd just be it looks like I own a funeral home. Right? Or I'm a bouncer at like a really trendy nightclub in like a really cheesy, you know, John Favreau movie. So either way, Isn't that the Steve the, Jobs. Steve Jobs Jobs wore didn't wear black t-shirts. He wore black sweaters or turtlenecks. Steve Jobs was like the king of turtlenecks. Turtlenecks. It was the turtlenecks. Yeah. It was the turtleneck. Um, Zuckerberg was hoodies. But anyways, um, Memorial uh, Memorial Day and Memorial Weekend is about two months away. And for those who aren't stateside, uh, Memorial Weekend is the one day a year we remember those that have paid the and paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. The veterans who've who've lost their life um, in um, um, in 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 conflict and, and in wars uh, to, to keep this country you know free, and so I'm gonna do a fundraiser. And the idea of the fundraiser is we'll have a money goal, and I think um, John yesterday I think in the whole group had like three or almost four hundred dollars raised, so we're already ahead of that. So I'm going to I'm going to do a money goal. We're going to do a $1000 goal, a $2500 goal and a $5000 goal. The $1000 goal is if we hit the $1000 goal, I'll wear a paisley shirt for a tech town square. And Eddie will wear a black shirt. If we hit 2500, I'll wear a paisley shirt for a tech town square and I'll wear one paisley shirt to my morning show, any show you select now for the five thousand dollar the five thousand dollar show with a paisley shirt too yeah we we could yeah totally and for five grand for an entire week i'll wear any shirt anyone sends me on any broadcast i do including any recordings during that week and we're going to donate either to uh probably to the wounded warrior project and there's a um, there's an, an additional fund that I'm going to set up a goal for, which is a scholarship fund for the kids whose parents, uh, whose one of their parents perished in combat. So those will be the two funds um, I'll be setting up over the next um, few weeks. And we'll start this once we hit it, even if it's before Memorial weekend, it'll kick right off. When we hit a thousand, I'll wear the first one. If we hit 2,500, we'll do the second piece and at three, at five grand, we'll do the whole thing. So you really do get this, get me out of my black t-shirt. For a good cause. That'll be fun. I cannot wait to see you in full colors. Mafu says, will there be any redundancies as a result of this particular merger? Only joking. Great stuff, guys. No redundancies. What redundancies? We don't have any redundancies today. Yeah. You know, it's because he adds use to stuff. So he's constantly seeing things, (laughs) Mafu. So speaking of veterans, did we want to talk about um, the news from Microsoft where they're offering free training uh, for veterans. Yes, they are. And I want to post that link here. So Microsoft is offering free training to anyone who's a veteran to learn Microsoft products. Um, Give me just a moment. I'm going to share this right here on the feed folks in the comments here in just a moment. Um, Chris, you want to talk about that while I do that, please? Yeah, absolutely. So they'll be sharing access to the Microsoft Software and Systems Academy, where um, it provides access to a different variety of courses for military and the veteran community, including those that are transitioning. Um, so reach out to them for more information. Definitely a great opportunity and Microsoft helping to give back to the communities that they serve. Um, there's also several similar 
trainings from other cloud providers, but I wanted to highlight the, the Microsoft one since it recently came out in the news. Um, but we're always keeping an eye out for resources for veterans to help them with their transition. Yeah, so th that's Microsoft has something. Palo Alto's got it. AWS has it. Um, a bunch of companies do have those. So check those out. I did post the link in the comments um, right here so you guys can see that um, and, and use that link. Yeah. And as you all know, any way to get, you know, free training is a wonderful thing when it comes to building up those tech skills. So this well, is and it's skills you need. You're going to meet people in those trainings too that are, can open doors for you to get jobs and, yeah. and really kind of help you with your transition. Yep. And that's, that's, an, that's another bonus. Well, that's the big component too. You know, when you do these things with Google and many of these organizations, they're looking to hire people. Hence why they're putting this thing, these things together. So um, always a good piece of information. Someone here says, always jump on for CISO Thursdays when I can. I don't know who that is. I'll tell you who that is here in just a second. Afternoon, uh, everyone. That's Ashley Mafoose again. Quote, it looks like I own a funeral home. Mafoose is just trying his best. I love his sense of humor. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Uh, that's Nick. Nick. Uh, <laughs> Nick said, uh, always jump on for CISO Thursdays when I can. Yes. Great to see you, Nick. Solomon says, I'm wearing black too. All black everything, baby. New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that Jay-Z? Like, that, doesn't Jay-Z say that in one of his songs? Like, all black everything? Yeah. All black everything. <laughs> that was his song with Kanye West, right? I don't know. Maybe. I think so. Wasn't that the song with Kanye? Yeah, it was. It's possible. Okay, questions for James. CISOs intrigue me. Any CISO I've so far come across talks about how it robs them of their free time and how there's little to no downtime. Is it that time intensive? Can one not be a CISO without giving up a colossal chunk of family time? That's a great question. That's a wonderful question, Mafuz. So I'll tell you this. There's a maturity of an organization when it comes to cybersecurity and also the maturity of a CISO in terms of running a team. So a good amount of CISOs are underfunded. And so because they're underfunded, they're having to deal with a lot of different things. Um, and I don't want to lay judgment on other CISOs, Mafuz. So um, I will say that I'll tell you how I do it. I hire really, really good people. And I trust my good people to do the job I hire them to do the best way possible. And I manage in a very open door perspective. I don't like putting out fires. Um, you know, Renee always asks me, she goes, how do you do all these shows? And you're also a CISO. <laughs> and, um, part of it is, um, delegation, leadership, um, letting people know that you trust them. And I think that's a, that's a kind of what you're highlighting. There is more of a leadership challenge than it is a CISO challenge. And so good I know a lot of very, very good CISOs who walk out of the office at 6 p.m. every single day. Rarely do they not leave at 6. I mean, if they're in a colossal state of event, then they'll probably stick around. But beyond that, they, they typically are able to walk away at 6 p.m. Their teams have a good work-life balance um, because it starts, it starts at the leadership level. So early on building a program, I'd say your first year in a CISO role, you're putting in a lot of hours. You're probably going to put in the 60 to 80 to 90 hours a week um, because you've not only got to know how to do security in your first 100 days, you've got to build relationships. And building relationships is takes more time than studying your security program because everyone's going to give you kind of what they want you to know. But to find out what you really need to know, you got to build those relationships, those conversations, and that information kind of starts to take place when you're at lunch sometime. And one of them will say, oh, yeah, by the way, we've been you know loading up these S3 buckets with data to test stuff. And you go, huh, I didn't know that. You said S3 buckets, did you? All right. And you're kind of making these mental notes or 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 stuff like that so that you can really address it. I think once you're a year in, you can start delegating and reduce your workload by about 25 to 30%, especially if you know how to ask for money. So I hired um, regional CISOs in our org. 
so that I don't have to do the 24 hour different time zone kind of stuff because that's takes a toll on you. And after a while, you get burnt out. The other part is rotating and dividing your teams properly. So don't have, you know, big organizations like Jamie Damon over at, at, at um, Chase, they spend a billion a year on cyber. He said it, that's publicly known. They spend a billion dollars a year on cyber. They have over a thousand people, I think, in cyber alone, right? And they've got, I think, over 50 or 60 different VPs within their cyber team. Yeah, it's huge. So those things matter. Um, I, 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 I think the other thing is um, ensuring that you integrate with your company's culture. So if your company's culture is to grind all the time, you're going to end up grinding all the time. But if the company culture is really to have that work-life balance, then you as a leader within that organization, you have to demonstrate that. Otherwise, those underneath you are going to follow you. So you really have to emulate what the company culture is. And if if it's the wrong type of company culture, you could be the one to change that and show that how much burnout it causes to be working under fire all the time and, and show the negative impacts on turnover and employee engagement and all those aspects that people don't think about when it comes to a security program. Because if you have burnt out people, stressed out people, they're more likely to make mistakes. They're more likely to click on phishing. They're more likely to be susceptible to bribery. Um, you name it, there's so many repercussions from having an overworked, undervalued workforce. Yeah, that's um, that that's very true. It's almost, you have to align your cybersecurity program to the organization or culture. And a lot of CISOs are talking about that now. The idea of what is the company culture and how do I align my company culture to our cybersecurity program? And that, that's that's important. But but I think to, to Mafuz's question is, is it that time in- intensive? Yeah. I'll tell you why it's time intensive, Mafuz. It's not really the job of the CISO. It's having to constantly know and read. You spend so much time reading as a CISO. And I think most people don't quite comprehend how much time you spend reading, whether it be white papers, whether it be frameworks, whether it be um, notices, whether it be alerts, um, whether it be case studies, you're reading because that's the only way for you to adjust your strategy. So, you know, CISOs, we do three things very, very well. We read a lot, we talk a lot, and we eat a lot. Because that's how you build relationships. That's how you do the job of the CISO. And that's how you get across. Really good question. Awesome question. Stefan says, if someone is not a veteran, most courses include videos are on GitHub. So he put a GitHub link out here too. That's awesome. That's good to know. Thanks, Stefan. Yeah, thanks so much, Stefan. That's awesome. I wanted to add too about the, um, when you talked about the culture and aligning the organization, the CISO organization to, or the, the security program to the culture. Um, sometimes groups have, their own culture. It's not, it might not be the whole company. So, you know, I know, Chris, you said like the company culture, sometimes it's the team. Um, and one of the things that I ask when I'm usually doing recruiting is I, I try to get to that team level because what really truly impacts you the, up here, you know, the CEO, depending on how big the company is, may be saying one thing and the team is doing something else. Um, so it's really good to understand that space as well. Uh, Leslie has a good question. How can you get such a concept across to a CISO that's not a people person? I'll let you tackle that first, James. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Leslie. Um, so when a CISO is not a people person, I almost wonder why is that person a CISO? Because how is a CISO role any different than any other C-suite or executive level role that entails you having to deal with people. I have yet to know a CISO role that doesn't entail dealing with people. Um, 
what I'm curious though, and kind of I'm going to reverse this and ask um, ask her a, a backward question, Leslie, is are they not a people person around vendors per se or at events? It may Maybe. be. What, what I'm thinking she may be experiencing is if a person grows up as a technical person, right? So your top architect, your, you know, all the people that have grown up technically and they're not really people, people, right? They're just really great technical people. And then they get in the CISO role because they've done such a great job technically and they're still not a people person. Um, I worked with this one guy and it was fascinating to me that he did not speak. It was like night and day in comparison to like the other the this the prior CISO and the new one. And he was just a super, you could tell super introverted. And I didn't take it personally. I didn't think he personally didn't like the team. I just think that he just wasn't a people person. Like he just was really quiet, always had his head down, you know. Um not a not a people person. So let me see. Leslie responded. She says they are not a people person anywhere. He's on the spectrum. Oh, wow. Okay. That's so, just a bad organizational hire. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, so it could be that the organization needs that technical person leading it, but they should probably, that CISO then probably reports to a CIO or a CTO that can help with the people aspect of it. Um, many startups will have a CISO that might be more technical. And as they grow up, then you end up evolving the the role from a technical role to a more people-oriented role. Um, if you're going to want to tackle business challenges, you're going to have to step out from the technical and you're going to have to step into the people aspect, the risk aspect, and not just the technical. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Um, Justice says, I love hearing you guys talk. Thank <laughs> Justice. And LOL around vendors. I don't know who that is. Is that Nick? <clears throat> I resemble that comment. <laughs> so around vendors, I'm not a people person. <laughs> vendors aren't around. <laughs> hey, I know a lot of people that are not very friendly around oh vendors. <laughs> Mafu says, thanks for the answers, James, Chris. Read a lot, talk a lot, eat a lot. Duly noted. <laughs> it's the best job on the planet. That's right. We need more people growing into CISOs. So, yeah, but I think people need to understand like, um, <laughs> we all have got to eat a lot down tight, man. Me too. Double chin here. Yeah. Not all of us can get, go to Orange Fitness like uh, Chris. Right. And, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. We, we all don't have that have time and luxury. 19 pounds. Oh. Time, time. Let, let's talk about that. I prioritize my health and my fitness. So I wake up at five in the morning to make sure I could get my daily physical activity in at least a half hour to an hour every single day because that primes me for my day. And if you prioritize it, you get it done. Just like you write your goals every day, Mr. James. I know you do. If you prioritize it, you will get it done. So I, I, I'll tell you this. I, I do... You know, I used to do CrossFit and, and now I'm getting back into Muay Thai and Krav Maga and boxing. And I, I enjoy martial arts a lot more than I do weightlifting and just hit training. I love beating on someone in a ring, man. There's nothing more satisfying. A vendor? <laughs> you know, I do have a boxing bag outside here in my home office. And we do have an internal, uh, very funny tradition where um, when we do our uh, stand up uh, end of week meetings, um, we vote for the most frustrating logo of the week and we put it on the boxing bag and I hit the bag hard enough to rip that logo into shreds and everyone cheers. Right. Wow. So, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, there's something said to, there's something to be said for any sort of physical activity. So whatever, that, whatever physical activity you need, whether that's a walk, whether that is hit training, whether that is, beating the crap out of some inanimate object or a real person. Um, just just fit it in and prioritize it. It will help you in all the other aspects of your life. Indeed. So um, the uh, comment around the vendors is John H. 
um, who is your friend at Trend Micro. <laughs> so, um, you know, some of, I'll tell you something really interesting. So last year at RSA, right, the last real event we all attended before, uh, before COVID, I walked around with a press pass. I've never had a better RSA. No one gave a crap about me. Not one person bothered to, like most people are like, here you go, you swack collector. Take your popcorn and move on. You're not important. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, he doesn't want to be one of your logos. (laughs) Um, That is awesome. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I don't think you are. I, I do. I, I'm actually testing a trend micro um, um, EDR as we speak. So um, that's actually in my lab and, and we're doing a bunch of testing around it. So very, very, uh, we'll find out if you'll be on the boxing. I'm like, are you on the bag? <laughs> Leslie says, I believe many of the missing collaborative aspects are missing because of him. Don't get me wrong. The CISO is knowledgeable, but things could be better. Thank you for the information. Yeah, I think, Leslie, a lot of times in a, in a situation like that, if the person has the knowledge but's missing the people skills, it's really good to add a deputy CISO, um, someone who has the people aspect, um, who can really deal with the people and leave the technical aspect to the technical people there. I think that, that's always really, really um, helpful to a lot of, to, to a lot of CISOs. I know that early on, that was something that was really popular. It, it still is popular. And just like you have regional CISOs, a lot of companies have business CISOs so that they are embedded in the business and they can better understand the different departments and divisions and speak specifically to those risks as they bring those up to the, the company-wide CISO so that he has a or she has a better overview of the organization as a whole. Yeah. And then the big companies have... BSOs. So yeah, business systems, yeah. Yeah, the business. Well, the business systems are, are more around vendor risk management, right. I'd say, than, than per se practicing cyber. But I think that's going to be, I think the BSO role is going to be where a lot of the people that come on here and go, hey, I'm in sales and marketing, or I'm in, I'm not an IT guy. I don't know how to necessarily code, but I want to go into GRC. Well, yeah. your GRC is going to lead you down the BSO path mm-hmm. and the CISO is going to be down the IT technology path. So just because you're not in a technology, but you're in this cyber has so much more than technology, right? And, and I think that that's often overlooked. Like CISO can be very technologically knowledge knowledgeable, but if you don't understand people, you're going to fail in your role eventually because not only are you going to be a poor leader, you're not going to be able to anticipate how your adversaries are going to be coming at your organization because you're always looking at it from a technical perspective, never from the human element. In addition to that, um, a lot of the CISOs in the bigger organizations are now falling under risk. So it's not even purely going under the CIOs and CTOs anymore. They're going under the the um, the uh, enterprise risk leadership, enterprise risk management, things like that. I know Chris has to Chris has to run. Bye, Chris. Namaste. Now I'm with my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just the Renee and James show. This is breaking into cybersecurity. <laughs> All right, we're not talking about cyber anymore. Yeah, look at the real party started. <laughs> They're all gone. They're all gone. <laughs> oh my God. Love that. I hope we earn your business. I empathize with you guys. We know there are some hard vendor stories out there, but there are a few of us that are human. Love all the topics you guys are chatting about today. I will say that that that's absolutely true. One of one of my goals for 2021, by the way, is I want to change the vendor CISO approach from an adversarial one to a partnership one. And I want to create the uh, partnership league, which is something I'm working on for the CISO talk podcast, which is creating the partnership league, which is vendors who are true partners to the security process. Right. Cause I think that's so important. So important. Right, because like vendors can be so. I mean, vendors are so useful. It's when it's the right one at the right time, you know, not just spamming everybody and the pitches and the annoyance, but the actual, real, true partnership is so important because they can well, be bringing 
go ahead. It's it's relationships. It's people like John here, right? right. Who's, you know, yesterday it was really funny as we're, when we were doing the Tech Town Square and we we're doing some shout outs, everyone started saying, well, if you're going to wear any t-shirt, I'm going to send you my company X's t-shirt to wear. And I'm like, and I'm going to send you this X t-shirt to wear. And I'm just like, all right, here's the, here's some of the cheesy stuff. But at the same time, it was funny. But I think part of part of the challenge that exists today between vendors and CISOs isn't necessarily the bad vendors. It's the untrained people within these vendors. Yeah. And it's sometimes the founders or the business leaders not really paying attention to the way. So you can hit your numbers, but the question is, are you creating antagonism in there? And the industry has a way of paying you back. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, Trend Micro, I hope we love you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, John. <laughs> Send a t-shirt to James to wear. Oh my God. Zoe, she just subscribed on YouTube, which is awesome. Thank, Thank you, you for subscribing. Thank you so much. We need our YouTube subscribe subscriptions up, 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 up. So if we could do that, that'd be great. So I want to, I want to ask our audience a question here because we have some really cool audience. So you guys have, um, how many of you guys read or listen to cybersecurity news and how many of you guys have heard about the cna um data it incident that's been going on cna insurance the largest you know essentially enterprise insurance underwriter in the in, in, i think in the u.s so while they're <clears throat> while they're answering john had a question john de la cruz can you answer how that partnership should be established? That would be different from how things are typically done by former LSAs. So, the, and you know what? I'll read it out because this is not only video, it's also audio. So John Dela Cruz wants to know, can you answer how that partnership should be established? That would be different from how things are typically done via formal, formal uh, SLAs. I have an idea in my head about how that would work out seeking your perspective. So when I talk about partnership, I'm looking beyond the sales process and beyond the implementation. We're looking at um, something very interesting. I call it, I'm now calling it the Microsoft doctrine because Microsoft's really writing the book on this. And the way Microsoft is writing the book on this is Microsoft, 70% of the world runs on some way of Microsoft, meaning whether it be email or cloud or collaboration tools. Um, I think, what is it? Like Word has like 92% penetration. Excel has like 96% penetration. PowerPoint has like 94% penetration. Those tools aren't going anywhere. Microsoft's a real player in that aspect. But the Microsoft doctrine post even pre-SolarWinds, but now post-SolarWinds to me is the true definition of a partnership. And the true definition of partnership starts with transparency. It then starts with building needs. And it goes on with the idea of support, even though sometimes it doesn't make sense financially. And I'm not saying lose on a customer because, you know, everyone has stakeholders and people who expect you to turn a profit. But it means... I'm going to help my customer with a problem. I'll give you an example. I have a vendor that I've been working with now. What are we, 2021? Six and a half years. Same vendor. Haven't even thought of replacing this vendor. Haven't. Don't think about it. You know why? Because when I have a problem, I know that they will put people in that company to help me solve it, even if they don't have the solution for it. And they'll let me know who in the marketplace I can go to to find the right solution that would be collaborative to the kind of security process I have in place with them. The real partner. They're a real partner. When we go through incidents and we call them to let them know we're going through an incident, we don't wait. We're not in line. We're right there front and center. Even if they can't help us, even if it has nothing to do with the specific security solution we have in place, they're there for us. Even if it's from an idea of expertise, anything. Like over the last three months, we've been going through a lot of forensics 
right? And a lot of checking internally. And these guys have picked up the phone and said, just so you know, several of our customers have reported seeing this. We're not sure if you've seen it or not, but here's something to take a look at. And they've sent us down the path where we didn't have to invest so much. Right. Providing value. Yeah. And that value to me. Proactively. Mm-hmm. That value to me is why I'll never leave them. Mm-hmm. Never. Never. Because they're loyal to me. So why in the world would I not be loyal to them? Right. The hardest thing to get is loyalty. So when you have it, why why betray it? I don't think that people, especially like you said, about the ones who are trained, untrained, don't fully understand that. You don't get yeah, that. The, the, John, I mean, that's a great question, but I think SLAs are just kind of like, I look at contracts and SLAs as divorce documents and expectation documents. It's kind of like a prenup. This is the minimum you're going to get or the maximum you're going to get for leaving this relationship, i.e. or not supplying the kind of support I expect from you. In fact, some SLA terminology to me seems almost threatening in ways, right? Our lawyers write it in a way where if you don't give us support by this time, we are entitled to pursue these kinds of remedies. You're like, whoa, But, but that's how I see those. True partnership is between people. Yeah. It's the relationship part. It is. Great questions today, guys. John says he is finding the best and loudest shirt to send you. Yeah, John, I have a gut feeling between John, David, and a bunch of those guys. I am going to end up with some really funky shirts on this challenge. We told him we we were talking right beforehand, and we're like, "What about a tutu?" We're like, "Well, Chris Roberts did the tutu. Like, what can we what can we do to spice up the t-shirts?" The paisley, the paisley. I'm telling you, these guys yesterday were all over Eddie's paisley shirt, and Eddie wears those shirt like, you know, unbelievably well. I'm just <laughs> not Eddie. I'm not. I'm gonna look so funky in those shirts. I already know it. I already know it. Can you imagine me in a Paisley shirt? (laughs) No. (laughs) It is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. Okay, CNA insurance. So it looks like people probably don't know anything about it. So inform us. Tell us what happened. So CNA is going through an IT incident right now. And the IT incident, they're victims of a crime and they're victims of an attacker. Um, We're not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and say they could have should have there's not enough information out there to even understand what kind of vulnerabilities being taken advantage of in order to create the um um, incident that they're dealing with at the moment to me what's really interesting about cna is cna underwrites so many business insurance that whoever the attacker there is if they were able to exfiltrate any data they now have all the company's cna insurers and then all of your cyber insurance information and God, here comes the ransomware attacks for just the amount of money that's under, like that's guaranteed in your insurance policy. It's so sinister. People don't get this. <laughs> I had to sit with our CFO on Tuesday and like, go like we use CNA. We could very well be targeted And if we do, they're probably going to be asking us for this amount of money. Right. And all of our vendors. And so we should maybe find out from all the certificate of insurance that we get from our vendors, who's using CNA. Right. Because we should keep a close eye on those vendors for the next 12 to 18 months. Right. And how important are they to our supply chain? And what are they doing in the event of a ransomware? And we should now send our auditing team and send them the question that says, hey, we're doing a spot check. What are you guys doing for ransomware prevention? What's your incident response plan for a ransomware attack? Because they're coming. Right. We just, they're coming. Do you think people think 
the way you do? Do you think your peers or even people that are growing up into security? Because listening to this and understanding that people, you know, may sometimes their head is just focused so specifically on the technology versus a situation like this where you have to think 5, 10, 20 steps ahead of, okay, this data has been taken. Now what? You know, what can this person take and what can this person do um, with this information? Do you think that there are enough people that process like this? So I I don't want to say I'm unique. I'm sure there are other people who see what I see. Um, I just don't know if they're they have the same voice or are just as proactive speaking about it as I am. So I'll say that from, from that perspective, I think you need to be strategic when you're looking to get into cyber and you know, you've almost always got to have, um, I don't want to say a, a, a fish's eye view kind of like, you got to be like this, but you've got to kind of be like a pilot or um, a truck driver. Or if you're in a Tesla, you know, Tesla's got the cameras all around. If you've ever driven a Tesla, you, you, you can literally just look on your screen and see the cars behind you. You can, the camera's so good to you, you can read off their license plates. So there's aspects to that where I think we need to be very strategic in the CISA role. And that kind of goes to um, earlier when um, Leslie was bringing up the idea of a CISO not being a people's person. Is your CISO strategic? Are they seeing different business things that take place that could impact your business long-term? So point in case, Facebook did something amazing. I'm about to praise Facebook, so be ready for it. (laughs) So Facebook's cybersecurity team was able to find out that the Chinese Communist Party was launching through fake Facebook profiles attacks targeting uh, Uyghur uh, Muslims who are outside of China. Now, Uyghur Muslims in China are going through a uh, re-education camp. Some of them have gone missing. There's a very serious issue, a human rights issue going on in China, not only in Hong Kong, but also in in, in Western China and in in part of China where there's a uh, Muslim majority. Um, And then the world isn't hearing about it, but in cybersecurity, we we see it all the time. So they were using Facebook to target um, descendants of Uyghur Muslims that are residing all over the world, including the U.S. And they were sending them links, sending them to websites with a watering hole attack. And then those watering hole attacks were downloading malware and they were spying on their entire communication. Mm. So Facebook actually recognized these attacks followed it through and shut down those accounts. We in cyber have to be strategic. We saw something like this and we go, all right, who in our organization besides me is very outspoken about these issues. And we have people who are of Uyghur background um, through our supply chain organizations that we work with globally. So could they have been targeted by China and that could that have an impact on our organization? Right. These things matter. I know that for most people, they go, it's political. No, no, it's far more, it's beyond political. Yeah. I know it's, it's easy to turn it off when people say politics, but we're not getting into politics or we're not saying what's, there's something definitely wrong with a nation state spying over a minority they're prosecuting across the entire world. Now I'm saying that, not to say that we don't do that in the U.S. either, mm-hmm. right? Because we do, right? But we don't weaponize it the same way, and then we're not sending millions of people on trains circa World War II to re-education and labor camps. Right. Question here. I have two years in information systems. When I get into... An interview, they don't believe me that I have such experience or information security, sorry. They always offer the beginner level job. And I have much more than that. I can work with all the teams like SOC, pen testers, API, mobile apps, web, network, firewalls, uh, and specialty. I can do forensic analysis and investigations, did a lot of incident response and compromise assessments. I can give inputs and risk assessments, and I'm giving my and I'm taking my OSCP 
exam in May. Am I, and I don't know what the rest of- Let me refresh it. I'll pull the comment right here. Okay. Just a moment. I am pulling it up. I think, does he say I'm cursed? Am I cursed? I'm wondering. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling like that's what it is. Let me see. So this is Rashid um, who said this, by the way. Uh, Am I cursed that I have info on these skills? What do you both say on that? So Rashid, um, man, I'm so sorry you're going through that. I'll let, I'll let, um, um, Renee answer this from an HR perspective first. Yep. So Rashid, this sounds, it sounds like you might be applying or interviewing. Um, it may be an interviewing challenge. So if you, if they're offering you a job, or it might be, you know, a job misalignment. Um, there's something that, that if they're offering you a job, that means that they know you have a certain level of skills. So you're getting to the job offer, which is positive. That's a really, really good thing. Um, if the job is lower level, there's something in that there's some either kind of conversation that you're having where you're not really expressing the skills or showing the depth of the skills that you have. So I'm thinking it may be something to do with the way you're interviewing, the way you're projecting, the way you're sharing with people what you do on a day-to-day basis. So it may be, um, or the the knowledge that you have and what you can bring to the table. So it may be something around interviewing strategies to really show like the impact that you've made, the things that you've done, um, and not just like a laundry list of for whatever, however they're asking the questions, the way you're answering them, it sounds like that they're saying, oh, this person isn't senior level enough for the role. So they want to bring you in, but they want to bring you in at a lower level. That's what I'm taking away from this. Um, so yeah, it might be an interviewing strategies kind of course or connecting with people um, to mock interview I know that Naomi Buckwalter was doing a lot of that mock interviewing with people so that you get a feel for, okay, this is at, if I'm, if I'm interviewing somebody at a mid level, you know, the questions I'm going to ask them are going to be different to the types of questions I will ask the, the beginner, or I may ask the same questions, but I'm looking for a different response from the mid to senior versus the beginner. Um, so it may, it may need that you, you just need some more, um, help in that area. James, you want to add anything? You know, I, I think you answered that perfectly. Um, the one thing I will add is the fact that you know so much about all these different things um, makes it hard for sometimes an organization to place you in a role. Um, and so they end up wanting to say, here you go, start here and we'll see how you're doing. And I think that's, that's, I can't tell you how many CVs I've looked at in, 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 part of our 221 and 2021 where, you know, they list all their different expertise and I'll reach out to the candidate and I'll ask them, what role are you applying for? And they'll go, well, I'm not sure. (laughs) And, and Renee and I here both disagree on this, but, but I firmly believe that if you're going to apply for an analyst role, you should have a CV that highlights your abilities as an analyst. And if you're going to, apply for a pen tester role, you should have a CV that highlights your skills as a pen tester. And if you're applying for a business development role, you should have a CV that highlights your business development skills. Um, Because a lot of us are cross-trained and multi-trained because we're curious individuals. Uh, Yeah, I disagree. So... (laughs) I know we do. I know we disagree on that one. We disagree. I think you should have one resume and it highlights all the different things as much as you are putting into it, especially at this level. When you start to get more seasoned, I think, um, you know, obviously you you get more specialized. Um, but at two with two years experience in security, I mean, it, it's not that far away from beginner. And I don't know if you already have experience and then um, you, you know, you were already, for example, like in IT doing something maybe as a developer or something else. And then you moved into security, which is different than someone who's like completely fresh out of high school, fresh out of, you know, zero experience prior to getting into the field. Um, because when we look at 
the companies, especially when you're looking at larger companies, right? When they look at someone who is a beginner, so to speak, it's zero to two years. So the mid-level, the next level up is two to about, you know, five or seven, depending. Um, So you could be right on that cusp where the quote unquote beginner, you may be thinking beginner like super duper beginner, but a lot of times these roles have levels of be quote, and I'm, I'm air quoting beginner, right? So in that zero to two year band, for example, you have people who are completely brand spanking new, like never worked anywhere, did, you know, just pure education. And then you have people that have been around for about two years and they have some experience and they have some, you know, they've been doing it for a while. So it can be, you know, depending on the org, beginner, so to speak, could um, be different based on different companies. Um, but I, I think it's a, I think it's an interviewing challenge. I think it's interviewing skills. Okay, final question before we jump, because we're at the top of the hour. Or Leslie, I put all my skills on my resume. I've had some people say I should not, I'm assuming, but I let the job see the breadth of my experience. So again, I'm a firm believer in, I don't think you should have a zillion resumes. I I mean, I get people who are like more in this, again, this is more seasoned senior people. So if you have one that's more technical, like, oh, I'm an architect and I'm a leader slash manager. And I want to have like one that's purely technical and one that's more leadership manager. But for almost everybody else, I just try to get people to highlight, um, their uh, their major accomplishments highlight the things that they focus on the most. We have a little issue with uh, Renee's connection here. Do we? Do we really have an issue with my connection? I'm wired. I can see myself move around. This is nuts. I'm wired. This is crazy. Yeah, well, your I'm, audio just kind of went. It went out. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, I'm moving soon, so I'll be excited. I'll have a whole setup specifically for this podcast. But in That'll any of awesome. <laughs> that will be awesome. But um, but yeah, I'm a firm believer in because I think when you have multiple resumes, it gets just super confusing. But anyway, we well, are at- doesn't it depend? I mean, if if you're really looking for a special if if you go into a role that requires a multitude of skills, then your multitude of skills come become very very relevant. But if you're looking for one specific role, then don't you want to highlight one, all the skills? Have one resume. If I'm if I'm going to be a pen tester, then create the pen tester resume, apply to pen tester jobs, look for pen tester everything, like be that thing. But if you are kind of looking for an analyst and you don't fully understand all of security, you don't fully know what you want to do yet, you want to get your you know feet wet in different areas, then a more generalist resume um, is beneficial. What I think happens is people spend a whole lot of time on resumes and then the, the social media aspects and all the other things that they should be really focused on and doing gets to be, um, you know, they, they bury their head in the whole resume space and have 17 resumes. And then they can't remember which resumes apply to which job. And especially when you're applying to big companies, if you're applying to like, you know, Chris is working at Capital One, they're huge. So there's going to be all these different jobs that so you're going to have like seven different resumes applying to seven different roles. And then, the I mean, I, but, but so, so to kind of give you that, I think that that's the lack of clarity from a candidate and that's why they never land the role yeah. right? because they're looking for seven different jobs. I think if right. you know, one. If, well, one or two or, or even two different roles two. because right. <laughs> so you can have two different CVs. I'm not saying have seven. No, but people have that. They have like all these different ones and they're like, okay, I'm applying to analysts. I'm applying to this. I'm like, I'm like, whoa, this is nuts. I can see that. <laughs> I've changed James's mind. Woohoo! <laughs> and CISO Thursdays is done. I win. Folks, this has been fun. James, this has been a blast. Just me and you. I feel like we need to do a me and you thing. You know, I think... Um... Uh, I'll be back um, doing my live Fridays at 11 a.m. Uh, not the tomorrow or next Friday because of Passover, but the Friday after that. You should be like you and I should do our live Fridays together. I, I like that. I like the sound of that. That'll be a lot of fun. This will be a lot of fun. It will be a lot of fun. All right, folks. 
see everybody next Thursday on CISO Thursday. Thank you so much for everything. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.